Life Together is a book that we're reading together. It's by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, I'm just curious if anyone's brave enough, who, who actually cracked it open and read it this week? Perfect. <laughs> what? Why are, you, why are you still back there? You always do that to me. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I t- taught an entire Easter sermon with him behind me, and I had no idea the entire time. Anyway, um, well, I was going to ask uh, for any first reactions, but um, none of you, Brandy's the only one that has any. So, uh, Brandy, first reactions? Right. That's fine. We can wait. I'm just kidding. Uh, Okay, so if you happen to crack it open and read it in the coming weeks, which I highly recommend, uh, it is a little awkward. So it was written in the 1930s in German, and then it wasn't translated into English until the 1950s. But I don't know if you've, like, gone back and listened to recordings of people talking back then. Even back in, like, the 70s, people just talked differently back then. It is kind of strange, let alone translating it from a different language into English. So there's some awkwardness in diction, uh, in sentence structure. Um, one thing that you will probably notice right away is that all of the generic pronouns are male, um, always and forever, because that was just how people did things back then. Um, but uh, all of the awkwardness aside, there are some, there are some gems in here especially in this first chapter. One of my first reactions was, um, this is like trying to drink from a fire hose. Like there is just so much packed into just this first chapter alone. Uh, There's so many times where I needed to go back and, and like I just, I had to stop reading in the middle of reading something because like he said something that just kind of floored me and I needed time to like let that soak in or I needed to reread something or come back to it. Um, it feels like every like every other paragraph, it feels like there's something important that he says. So there's a lot that we could talk about tonight. Um, but I'm actually not going to talk for a very long time tonight, uh, which is good news for some of you. Um, I just want to briefly touch on two things that stuck out to me from this first chapter. Um, two things that are closely related uh, that I think set the stage well for us moving forward in this series. Uh, and the first thing is this. Christian community is a gift. When you do actually read this book, you will notice that the first things Bonhoeffer talks about is just how much of a gift this thing is that we're doing right now. Gathering together publicly to proclaim the goodness of God, to lament evil in the world, um, to sing together, to learn together, all of this is such a gift. The ability to share life with people who believe the same thing as you, uh, to have spiritual conversations about our lives and what Jesus is doing in them, to have deep, meaningful relationships together because of Jesus, the ability to be in each other's physical presence, all of this is such a gift. There are so many people that don't get to do what we're doing right now. There are people whose health prevents them. There are people who are incarcerated. There are people who live in countries where... A gathering together like this is prohibited, where where any religious expression is illegal. And it's so easy for us, especially here in America, where there are churches just about every other block, it's so easy for us to take Christian community for granted and start to think of it as pretty much anything other than a profound gift. 
But it makes sense for Bonhoeffer to feel that way because he's speaking in Nazi Germany while teaching in an underground seminary that had to be kept secret or it would have been shut down, which eventually it is. I think it's so good for us to be reminded that we need to be more mindful of how precious of a gift this is. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Christian community is a God-created reality that we get to participate in, not an ideal we're responsible for achieving. Christian community is a God-created reality that we get to participate in, not an ideal that we're responsible or obligated for, uh, to achieve or realize. Does that make sense? I think the distinction is actually really, really important. Because when we think that Christian community or, or church community or whatever you want to call this, um, when we think that we have to create it or that others need to create it for us, we tend to have uh, specific expectations of what we want it to be, right? And that's not necessarily bad in and of itself. We've talked about this even just a few weeks ago. Expectations can be really good and healthy. The problem is in this context, when we approach uh, church community as something that we have to create or something that we expect to be created for us, rather than something that uh, God's already created that we get to participate in, we tend to form an idealized community in our minds. We dream up what we think our community should look like, what we think we have to create or should be created for us. And we engage then in our actual communities with these internal demands that we use to measure others up against, to judge how well these people or this community is or isn't meeting my idealized fantasy community. We judge others and judge God at points. And inevitably then when we're let down, when people don't conform to this idealized non-existent community that we've created in our minds, we become disillusioned. And we look around at other communities and complain about how God isn't giving us the same experiences. Or here in our context, in, in contemporary America, we just move to another church. We move from place to place, hoping that the next place will be the right fit. The right group of people that matches our idealized community. We Honestly, we treat church, we treat church community a lot like we treat dating going from one thing to the next, hoping to find the one, that unicorn that checks all of our boxes, that magic place that aligns with the fantasy that we've created in our minds that we know just has to be out there. And when that next place eventually lets us down, we just move on over and over and over until finally, hopefully, we come to realize that we haven't been chasing Jesus in this at all but instead we've been chasing some kind of emotionally charged experience that aligns with this fantasy that we've created in our minds. When we allow our idealized communities make us disillusioned with our actual flesh and blood communities, we so quickly forget and take for granted how much of a gift community is. We pray for God to do these big things uh, while forgetting to give thanks for the small, the small gifts that we receive now in the places we already are. Bonhoeffer puts it this way. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian community in which we have been placed, even when there are no great experiences, no notable riches, 
but much weakness, difficulty, and little faith. If we don't give thanks, and instead we only keep complaining to God that everything is so miserable and so insignificant and does not at all live up to our expectations, then we hinder God from letting our community grow according to the measure and riches that are there for us all in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, what may appear weak and insignificant to us may be great and glorious to God. I will just fully admit to you, when I read that, it like stopped me dead in my tracks. This is one of those moments where like I had to put the book down because I was so convicted by that. Like who, who am I to say what is weak and insignificant? How dare I judge what God is up to in my community? Who do I think I am <laughs> to take this idealized, non-existent picture of what I think community should look like and hold myself and God and my friends to it and then resent everyone when it doesn't work out? Christian community is a gift. But it's a gift that we can destroy when we cling to idealized expectations of what it should be. Christian community is a God-created gift that we get to participate in, not something, not some ideal that we are tasked with forcing into existence. And so, I think uh, a great place for us to start when trying to reapproach community to learn more about community is by being grateful and expressing gratitude for, for any and all Christian community that we're a part of, loosening our grip on what we think it should look like, and praying for and hoping and waiting on God to foster our community as he so desires. Really saying, God, may your will be done among us as a people and not any of our will. Those are the two biggest takeaways I had from this first chapter. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to talk very long. I thought maybe it would be more important after hearing that for us to just have a few minutes to reflect and do the things that I just said. So Marshall is actually going to come up here and play some music in the background. And I want you to take this time to think about what you are grateful for, for this community. If you're new, and you probably don't have anything. Uh, or if you can't think of anything specific to here, think about whatever Christian community that you do have or have had. What are you grateful for? What, what were you grateful for? And I would ask you to pray for God to cultivate and grow this community as he so desires, in whatever ways he desires. Now, I think both of those reflections are, are really valuable in and of themselves, just between us and God. But I also think they can be a gift when they are shared together. So there is no pressure here. But if you'd like to share what you reflect on, what you're grateful for, um, or your prayers for this community, while you think of them, you can just take your phone out and you can text to 303-900-2043. That's actually our phone number in case you didn't know. Um, 
and I'm going to collect these and share these in the coming weeks. You can stay anonymous. Uh, I'm honestly, I don't have time to go through and look up every person's number to figure out who it is. So, like, if you don't put your name, I won't know who you are. If you if you don't want to stay anonymous, please throw your name in there. But let's just take a few minutes instead of hearing me talk more about a chapter most of you didn't read. Let's let's just take some time to reflect. Because community is a God-created gift that we get to participate in. So again, what are you grateful for about this community or the community that you've been placed in? And what are your prayers to God for that community? Let's take some time to reflect.
God, thank you for um, the profound gift that is uh, to be known and to know others. God, thank you for the gift that it is in, in hearing and seeing you in other people. God, thank you that we aren't left on our own to try to figure out what it looks like to live for you, but that you move and speak among us through each other to us. God, may, um, may we be newly aware or reminded of just how profound a gift and privilege it is to be in community. God, we want what you want in the world, in our lives, and certainly in this place. So God, I pray that you would, I guess I'll just speak for myself, I pray that you would destroy any idealized fantasy that I've created and tried to measure others against. God, I pray that you would free me to love people as they are. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen.